So it was a warm summer day, and I was nine months pregnant with our third child. And, you know, you feel nine months pregnant the whole time you're pregnant with your third child. <laughs> so I was rather big. Um, my two older children uh, were age four and three. They had come in to wash before supper, and I was helping them. So we were in the bathroom washing up their hands, and I started smelling something burning. So I turned and looked into the kitchen. And there was a rather large flame on the storm on the stove, larger than any flame I had ever seen in a house. Um, my kids came into the kitchen, so I went out, you know, of course, trying to see if I can do anything. My kids followed me, and um, to see what was going on. And my first thought was, I have to get my children out of the house. <laughs> so, as calmly as I could, I started shooing them out the side door. And as I'm showing two children out the side door, these two children who don't want to leave their mother and kind of are wondering what the excitement is going on in the kitchen, so I'm trying to push them out the door, my husband drove up the driveway. <laughs> and what he saw was a pregnant wife throwing two children out of the house. <laughs> he told me later his first thought was, oh no, Meg's really lost it. <laughs> But I actually hadn't lost it that day. I was shooing my children to protect them. And by the way, I got my kids, when I got my kids out safely, then I could think rationally, and all I had to do was turn off the burner on the stove, and the fire went out. <laughs> so today is Mother's Day. David and I talked about me speaking on the mother heart of God. Aspects of God that are typically what we think of as more feminine or more motherly. And aspects that we see in healthy mothers today. But basically what we're saying is that there are aspects of God that can be seen in us. There are aspects of God that can be seen in us. Whether we are a mom or not, we can know and experience a mother's love for people. So I want to unpack a few aspects of God's character and see how it plays out in our lives, both the receiving of it and the giving of it. Let's look at God's perspective on people and see how understanding that and experiencing it ourselves impacts our perspective on others. Because our perspective informs our actions. I'm a mom. I've been a mom for over 30 years. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> I'm a mom to my core. I've raised three people to adulthood, and all that entailed left me with a perspective that I apply to all my life. My experiences in life and what I have come to know informs everything I do. I'm also a family therapist, which means when a person comes into my office, I see the whole family come in, whether they come in with them or not. My perspective on families informs how I practice therapy how I counsel people. I don't just see an individual. I see the relationships of that individual and how they impact their current behavior or their current perspective on life. My perspective informs how I see people and how I treat them. So I want us to help us understand a tad more clearly about how God sees us. And my prayer is that it will inform how we see and treat others in our families, in our workplaces, and in the world around us. God's perspective on people can be our perspective, 
In fact, it has to be. If we are to love people as God loves them and see them the way God sees them. The reading this morning was from Ephesians 3, and I love this passage. Being rooted and established, let me summarize part of it. Being rooted and established in love, we will have power to grasp God's love, and Christ dwells in our hearts. Then we will be filled to all the fullness of God. God pours this love on us, <clears throat> and then he is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask for or imagine. And that's not just stuff that we can imagine or answers to prayer about stuff outside us. But that's about what's in us. He can do immeasurably more than all we could ask for or imagine inside <coughs> us. It's about us being able to show God's love to the world. That's, for me, what that amazingly more than all we could ask for or imagine is. That work that God does in us to show us his love, and to enable us to show it to the world. It's the immeasurably more that we're going to be talking about today. Someone once told me to think of myself as God with Meg's skin on. <laughs> God with Meg's skin on. The fullness of God dwells in us. The love of Christ dwells in our hearts. And God created us with unique, wonderful characteristics a combination of talents and personality. We get to show God to the world with our personhood, who God created us to be. God's perspective and how he sees people's mistakes and sins can also be our perspective. God sees people in a lifelong sense, not just this moment in time. And knowing all that, he still chooses to love. God's perspective is a lifelong sense, an eternal sense even. And this, an example of this is recorded in the book of Matthew. Jesus is speaking to a crowd, and he says to the crowd, you who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent you, I want to wring your necks. Oh, no, he didn't say that last part. <laughs> you, who stone, you who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent you, I'm going to give you what you deserve. But he didn't say that either. He said, you who stone the prophets and kill those sent to you, how I long to gather you in my arms, but you were not willing. That's Christ's perspective. He was speaking. He looked out over Jerusalem. No exclusions. All the people, all history of those people all the individual stories and choices, all the pain and actions against those that God had sent to them to show him himself. And God said, how I long to gather you in my arms. Today, this would be like if God looked over a crowd at Elm Park and he said, you who adamantly opposed what I am doing in your life, how I long to gather you in my arms. God always meets us right where we are. Throughout all scripture, God is personal, and he is still personal today. We meet a man named Paul in the Bible, a lot, actually. <laughs> he was an apostle who we now see as responsible for recording wealth of truths about God and us and how we are to live. I want to remind you, or tell you, 
that before Paul did all that, before he record, recorded all that stuff that we love and read and learn about God and ourselves, Paul was responsible for hunting down and killing Christians. But God did not leave him there because God is a personal God and wants to gather people in his arms and show them who he is. Paul was on his way to hunt down more Christians and have them arrested or killed. God got his attention in a way that Paul would never forget. God talked with Paul. The man who was killing God's loved ones, God talked to him. Allow me to paraphrase what happened. God gets Paul's attention, and then he says, Why are you persecuting me? Paul, this is between you and me. Let me fix, correct your thoughts about who I am and how I see people. My being in you will transform your identity and your views on people. I want to dwell in you so that you will know my fullness and show my love to others. I will forgive everything you've ever done and wipe it all away. How Paul saw God was dramatically changed that day. And I believe his thoughts of how he saw himself started to be changed that day too. Paul began to see himself the way God saw him. His purpose, why he was created, his wrongdoing also, and also his worth. Paul had been part of a culture and religious practice that reminded people of their sin. The offering of sacrifices reminded people of their sin over and over again. And I think that Paul remembered his wrong actions a lot too. I think Paul played those actions out in his head way past when God had forgiven him. And for a while, I'm sorry, way past when he had forgiven him, the people he had killed very well could have been mem family members or close friends of the people he went to teach and help. So I think he had reminders all the time of the wrong he had done. Paul's writings to Christians are full of grace and understanding of complete forgiveness. And I think he writes about it a lot because he had to know it personally, deeply himself. God's perspective on us includes no guilt after forgiveness. God takes away our guilt. It seems appropriate, appropriate to address guilt. After all, it's Mother's Day. And the joke about mothers laying on guilt to motivate their children is a pretty universal joke. Um, and you can keep the joke if you want to. <laughs> but here's the real scoop on guilt. The purpose of guilt is to become, is to bring an awareness of wrongdoing. The purpose of guilt is to begin an awareness of wrongdoing. Guilt combined with God's love and kindness leads us to repentance. One example of Paul showing this is in 2 Corinthians 7. Your sorrow led you to repentance. So you were sorry over what you had done. You became sorrowful as God intended. Godly sorrow leads to repentance with no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. It's God's love that brings us to repentance. And our sorrow or initial guilt helps us to realize we need forgiveness. We have done something wrong and now we need to do something about it. We need God to forgive us. Worldly sorrow or pondered guilt 
brings death. Leaves us in a place where we cannot even get out of our own way. Replaying wrong things keeps us down, brings death. It does not motivate us to go forward. Feeling guilty for a previous action in our lives, or even for our whole lives, or even for a month, even for a day, is not from God. After forgiveness, guilt has no place in our life. Hebrews 10 is full of truth about forgiveness and how complete it is. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. In Hebrews 10 and in other places in Scripture, we are told that God cleanses us from sin and from a guilty conscience. Cleansed. I think when we extended, I think when we extend guilt longer than its intention, we miss out in on enjoying God and Him enjoying us. Once I was talking to God and I'd been feeling so awful about myself, and I was expressing this to God. I wanted him to change me. I was calling out to him to change all of me. God responded to my plea. I heard God's words to me like it was spoken right to my heart. And he said, but I like you. But I like you. I just nestled in with this for a while and still do. The reason we were moved by hearing Mr. Rogers sing, I like you just the way you are, is because all of us want that to be true of someone in our life. And I'm telling you this morning, it is true. It is true. In this moment, God loves you, and he even likes you. He's not blinded to your faults or wrongdoings. He sees all the history behind those aspects of you and can still see the very core of who you are, the God-created part that is wonderful. Remember, he said to a crowd of people, you who stone the prophets, how I long to gather you in my arms. Hear God say, to this, say this to you when you start to replay all those awful things you have done. Hear him say, stop, uh-uh-uh, don't go there. I have thrown them afar, as far as the east is from the west. Leave those behind you. I am choosing to forget them. I like you. Let's move forward in life together. I realize this is a whole lot to take in. Guilt is so much a part of our lives, and we think it's normal. Experiencing forgiveness and the powerful aspect of it takes a lifetime to grasp. But I really wanted to add this. Because guilt and replaying wrongdoings in our hearts is not from God. Read Hebrews 10. Talk to a trusted person if you struggle with this. It's life-changing when you can grasp forgiveness with no guilt after. The reality of this changes how we treat others. When we get that we are forgiven completely and we don't have to hang on to those anymore, that's the immeasurable more part for me. How could this really be true? Could I have God's perspective on me and also really love people the way God does? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Experiencing God's love, seeing how God sees us, affects how we see others. When we grasp how God loves us, likes us even, 
then we do not have to hold on to the guilt of things that we've already been forgiven for. It changes our thoughts. We stop replaying all the bad things about us. And so we are less apt to replay all the bad things others have done. When we're replaying those things in our head about how awful we are and all those things that we've done, those things we've already been forgiven about, we are more apt to lash out on somebody else and remind them of their wrongdoing. So when that changes in us, it changes our, voice, our, our perspective on people. It changes how we speak to people. The reality of this changes how we treat people. We are free to not remind people of their sins or wrongdoings. We are free to treat people as we have been treated by God. He doesn't remind us of our sin, so we can do the same for others. God's perspective becomes our perspective. We have a two-day rule in our marriage. We had really good premarital counseling and heard that you should not hold, some, hold something against your spouse for more than two days. Now, that takes a lot of work. <laughs> that means there's no room for you always do this, or you can never do that. Those statements don't get you the results you want. <laughs> because those statements do not leave room for someone to change. And it even makes them feel like they can't. Try not to remind people of their sins or mistakes. Remind them of who they are now in this moment. How God sees them. Sure, God does see our sin. He sees our wrongdoings, how we've hurt people. The current stuff, not the past stuff, by the way. <laughs> but that's not all he sees. He also sees our heart, sees the pain we have experienced, sees what led up to this point in our life, and he sees who he has made us to be. He longs to gather us in his arms. When we live with God's perspective, we can be a representative of God in the world. God with skin on. It's true in our families, our loved ones, and friends. And it also has an effect on how we process events in the world. It even affects our daily conversations about current events. Let me mention one current event that's close to my heart, close to this mother's heart. There have, many, there have been many incidences of tension between policemen and people of color with people trying to understand what's happening, trying to understand the protests and the actions of the police officers. And frankly, there have been a lot of grand misunderstandings as well. People ask questions like, how can people destroy their own neighborhoods? Or how can a police treat a person so awfully, so brutally? There's so much more going on than the current behavior we see. The, pro the behavior of the protesters and the behavior of the current police officers. This understanding can help us not make assumptions of others that are inaccurate or could be inaccurate. One thing I learned in grad school was do not assume anything. If you are assuming anything, you do not have the whole picture. Martin Luther King said, rioting is the language of the unheard. He never condoned rioting but he saw the life circumstances. He saw the generations of oppression. He saw being unheard for generations, the pain and righteous anger in the hearts of the demonstrators and the pain they have experienced. It takes a lot 
of getting out of our own perspective to understand what's happening in our cities today. We really should have a diversity and difference Sunday school class sometime. <laughs> yep. I'm putting a plug in now. <laughs> um, but for now, and I'm not just asking you to put into practice God's perspective on the protesters, I'm also asking you to understand God's perspective on the police officers, the men and women who put their lives on the line every day for our safety, the stress and tension they experience every day, the experiences that they had, what were they when they were growing up, some of them, that informed their view of people, all people, especially people of color. We have to see people in this light and stop making assumptions of behavior without asking God how to show us how he sees people. And be that voice in your community that sheds light on, on misunderstandings. There are no easy answers, but expanding our perspectives is one of them. God's perspective informs our actions in our community. And having God's perspective on people also informs our actions at home. God's perspective on people can be our perspective, even in our homes, even when it's the hardest. In families, we sometimes ask, how can my child talk to me like that? Or, how can my child do such and such? And sometimes, how can my spouse do that? Why are they doing that? And we assume ill intent, when oftentimes it was just a kid being a kid, or a spouse stressed out about something else. As parents, this is one of our main jobs, seeing our kids the way God sees them and stirring up in them their uniqueness, their little personhoods. Remember, do not remind them of their sin or their wrongdoing. Remind them of who God has made them to be. The Van Gogh painting, oh, did we see that yet? Yep. We did. The Van Gogh <laughs> painting that we saw earlier, the beautiful blues and greens, um, was painted when Van Gogh was in an insane asylum. People in the most painful times in their lives are capable of amazing things. Helping others to be prepared to have God embrace them by representing God with your skin on is wonderful, and that's what we get to do. Demonstrate to people the love that was shown to you. Show them the way God sees them and treat them as such. This is the amazingly more than all you could ask or imagine. Imagine you having God's perspective when you view yourself and when you encounter other people. That's immeasurably more than all we can think or imagine, and yet it can be true with God's love in us. Um, I have been told, in fact, just last week, that I ooze mom. <laughs> That's one of the best compliments I can get. <laughs> Each of us can ooze God to the world in our unique way. God with our skin on. When Den drove up to the house that day, the story that we begin at, started at the beginning, he knew what had gone on before, not immediately before, but way before. Years of bringing up children, the joys and the struggles. He knew me before we had children. He knew what I was like. And he knew my past behavior as a mom, the good and the bad, as well. Thankfully, his perspective took all that into consideration and extended love that day. He did not come in yelling at me for what he thought had happened. He came in helping. <laughs> and we all had a good laugh over it and had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at the picnic table. We certainly didn't have what was on the stove. <laughs> so let God's, be your, God's perspective be your perspective of yourself and others. Ooze God to the world. 
God inside you with your skin, your personality, and enjoy the journey with him.